Hi, I'm Tony Stubblebine, founder and CEO of the Lyft app, and you are listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp, and I'm really thrilled because this is a long time coming. I'm so uh, excited by having an opportunity to speak with a real entrepreneur and somebody who's uh, been on, I guess they've been all over the place. They've been represented in uh, TechCrunch, Forbes, and Shark Tank, and Mashable. And they've got, uh, he, he is an entrepreneur, a CEO, and a founder who's got just this amazing idea, terrific idea, and he's brought it to life. And he's going to tell us all about his journey. Uh, his name is Charles Michael Yim, and he is the founder and CEO of Breathometer. So you'll find all the show notes will be at theappguy.co, theappguy.co for episode 170. Charles, it's a great opportunity to speak with you. Welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thank you. Glad to uh, be a part of it. Well, I mean, I first of all wanted to uh, congratulate you on all your success. I mean, when I went to your website, you know, probably three quarters of a year ago now, and uh, we, we scheduled to come on and uh, you've just got so much going on. You're such a ma- massive entrepreneur. I know, I know you're going to be very, uh, very inspirational to all the Appster tribe listening. What's it like living your life at the moment? Do you, how excited are you? Can you give us a, a taste of what it feels like to, to have all the success you're having? Sure. So, I mean, for me, you know, this is my third company. So I'm a three-time serial entrepreneur. Um, you know, I've built and sold companies. And um, so the the whole kind of experience and journey along the way of building a company from scratch um, is not new to me, but, you know, each and every single company, you know, provides a new journey, right? And within that journey, uh, you know, you, you really, you, you really kind of learn to, to just expect the unexpected, right? And, you know, every day is a, a new day and there's always new surprises and, uh, you know, nothing's predictable really. And, um, you know, there, there can be some pretty high highs and there can be some really low lows. But, um, you know, in terms of my life on a day-to-day basis, honestly, I, I take it day by day. I literally mean that. And, you know, you compound that into weeks and into months and into years, you know, that's what really, in the end, if you're doing the right right thing and, and, and you really kind of follow your gut instincts and you're making the right moves, uh, you eventually, the, the net outcome of that is, you know, you, you start to realize and you start to see that you're really building a company. And that's the most rewarding part. Yeah, I was. This is a really authentic podcast, and you know what we're trying to do for the Abster tribe listening right now is that people sometimes get the wrong impression of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. They believe that there's one big break out there that that changes everything, and and then suddenly all the you know all the hardship goes away and everything's successful. Is that really a bit of a fairy tale? Is you know what, what's the real journey like? Uh, as you said, you mentioned highs and lows and taking it day by day. Give us a, a sense of of what it's like, even though you have had a good taste of success. I'm guessing that it's still kind of a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's interesting that you you bring that up. Um, it's funny because I mean the media right captures basically the one in a billion odds opportunities out there. You know the the WhatsApp, the YouTube's, Instagram, right, and you know Mark Cuban's broadcast like. You know, those are one in the billions, right? And 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 that's the thing. That's you know, of course, those 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 great you know outcomes or exits. You know, of course, they get a lot of coverage. But there's also this you know great amount of success that can be had. You know, even if you're in the middle layer and 
And even on the lower layer, and what I mean by that is like, you know, you don't have to necessarily build like a multi-billion dollar company to, to, to you know, taste what it is uh, that an entrepreneur, you know, kind of goes through from day to day. I mean, just as many kind of cons are there might be, meaning, you know, there, there's a lot of sacrifice, there's, you know, burning the, the wick on both ends, there's just a lot of blood and sweat and tears you have to put into it, but... There's a lot of upside just being an, an entrepreneur. You know, you, you call you the shots, and you know, you, you make your own schedule, and you get to work with you know people that you choose to work with. I mean, it can be extremely rewarding. You know, and um, I just feel that in terms of like the media and, and and what people perceive is, you know, what does it mean to 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 be a part of a startup and and to be an entrepreneur and 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 to to build a company? It doesn't have to be that mega billion, you know, unicorn, if you will. Um, and, and I think the key is, you know, as, as long as you're doing what you love and you're, and you're passionate about it, I, I think that's, that's the key. Um, you know, and for me, um, of course, you know, everyone wants to have a financial outcome that, you know, that's positive. I mean, that there, you know, it provides a lot of upside, but for me personally, I've, I've always started with, you know, kind of a problem solution framework and I've always kind of led with my heart and, and I'm a pretty passionate person. I'm passionate about being an entrepreneur and, you know, building a company or a product or products that truly provide value for people and that could potentially change their lives. Um, <clears throat> and so for me personally, I just, that's what I've always kind of used as my compass. And uh, so far it hasn't done me wrong. Well, Charles, I'm really grateful that you mentioned the word problem solving because uh, unless you've listened to 170 episodes of the App Guy podcast, that is one of our long running themes. All the successful entrepreneurs, our app developers, authors, everyone we seem to have interviewed who has had a taste of success, one of the big long threads of uh, themes is uh, actually solving a, pro a problem, a real problem. And uh, give us a sense of then how you came up with the idea of uh, enabling your smartphone to be a breathalyzer. And uh, then perhaps you could talk us through the early steps of uh, Breathometer. Sure. So I would say two things, right? So it's funny that you have a podcast about you know, inspiring other potential or fellow entrepreneurs. Um, I, I feel that sometimes your best inspirations can be, you know, from some top leading uh, entrepreneurial thinkers. And for, for me, in this case, it was Jack Dorsey, the founder and CEO of what was Twitter and now Square. Um, so, you know, again, this is my third company. I, I typically take a problem solution approach to all of them. And um, what I do is I typically take 30 days out of my life and Basically, I started thinking to myself, you know, what in my, you know, 30 days that I'm kind of analyzing my own kind of day in, day out uh, lifestyle, you know, could I, do I think, you know, could be improved, whether it's a product or a service. And typically at the end of the 30 day run um, of that analysis, I, I I actually yield what is kind of a short list of things where, hmm, you know, I, I could potentially build a business around it. So one of them actually ended up being Breathometer where, you know, I was out uh, at the time I was, I was, uh, head of mobile VP of mobile for the company that bought my last. And, uh, I was out, uh, with, you know, some fellow coworkers, my team essentially. And, you know, we had a bunch of beers and, you know, of course we're, you know, going at it. And, you know, when the night was all said and done, you know, you know, I, I, I looked around and my guys are ready to go home. I was, I was in, you know, care for their safety. And so, um, I just wanted to make sure that they were making the right, you know, essentially the right decisions. And so at the time, I literally looked at my phone and I thought, you know, the aha moment was if if Square could add basically a sensor to a phone, why couldn't I, you know, just convert that to a biosensor and essentially, you know, leverage the most, you know, powerful computer on, on a person. 
and uh, and turn it into a smartphone breathalyzer. And so I'm the type of guy when I do come up with an idea, an idea is an idea, and it's only as valuable as the idea itself. Um, and it could be literally net zero. But if you put actions to words, and in, in, in which I did, I started prototyping. I had a living, breathing prototype within roughly close to three months. Um, and, and so from there on, I, I knew once that happened, I had a, had a you know had a company, um, and I started building the the right team and what have you. So going back to how I came up with it, it really was a personal moment. Um, and, and I kind of applied my own personal kind of problem solution framework to it and then uh, pulled the resources that were closest and most trusted to me and then, uh, you know, started prototyping. And for the product itself, I mean, I, I, my background, you know, is pretty much business development software and, and primarily mobile. So the mobile aspect of it um, was, wasn't too difficult. But when it came to the hardware, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know uh, anything from Adam. So, you know, I luckily had uh, a pretty trusted... Uh, person that I knew, um, who actually happened to be my brother at the time, um, to help me kind of uh, prototype the, the first version. Uh, and, uh, you know, since then, it's, it's been quite a success. Yeah, it's, well, first of all, it's a great idea. But I think 99% of the people uh, that I speak to sometimes get great ideas. I mean, apps just have this uh, ability to get, get people all fired up and all excited. And yet, you know, a few weeks down the line, uh, there's nothing that's happened, and you you said that you built a, a prototype within three months. Uh, I mean, that's pretty amazing. And uh, so, so I think what would be helpful for the Appster tribe is to learn from you uh, what you then did with your prototype. How did you get uh, into uh, the network, the the getting investment? Perhaps you could talk us through that because that's always a big challenge for anyone who's got this great idea, they start, I mean, it's obviously very easy now to prototype kind of apps, you know, we've got a lot of prototyping tools. What did you do to get the investment and get the thing moving? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, for fundraising in general, right? So just backing off that for a second, like fundraising in general, um, getting investment, it's it's a tough job, right? And that's a job in and of itself. And um, typically, sometimes I see that the best teams are, are, are split into two, you know, you have a couple co-founders and um, that's why it was, you know, unordinarily tough for me because, you know, my, my last company, at least I had to add a co-founder, he was technical and I was kind of the, kind of the business, uh, mind of things and, and the idea guy. But this time it was all on me, both the technical and also the, the, you know, the business front. Um, so fundraising is tough. Um, I can tell you when I first started in my first company, I mean, it was tough beyond like seed funding, meaning like raising from friends and family, um, you know, that's, of course, you sh- you you have a problem if you can't raise money from friends and family, <laughs> right? Like, you should be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. But what, where it gets hard is really really raising investment from essentially the angel community, right? And, and, and you know, a majority of them are pretty wealthy individuals. Um, they've been around the block, obviously. Uh, you know, they know how to mitigate risk, and, and they, know, they understand the concept of risk pretty well. Um, depending on the risk profiles, you know, they... It, you know, depending on the opportunity, they'll bite, and it just has to take the right entrepreneur, the right idea slash product, and uh, the right level of execution. So I think that's where it starts testing the entrepreneur. Um, you know, whether your product really can fly, does it really have legs to it? Um, do you really have the you know user engagement um, or, or customer acquisition that you say you do? Um, you know, there's got to be a few check boxes checked off before. You know, a real investor, not friends and family, not your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, but, uh, you know, someone that doesn't really know you and is really judging you just for your business um, or your idea, possibly, you know, from outside in, 
um, is it believes in you so much and you're credible to the point where, you know, they're willing to write a check. Um, so my first startup, you know, I, I, I went all over the valley. I'm here based in Silicon Valley, right, where kind of it's the, the tech mecca of the world, if you will. And I recall just beyond friends and family, it got tough, tough for me. I mean, people didn't know me. Um, I didn't have a network and, you know, I, I, I was new to the whole thing. But if you fast forward now to my third company, um, I kind of lessons learned is um, a network and knowing people, uh, I would say exponentially can change the outcome of your fundraising efforts. Meaning that now, you know, because I have a brand, I have a name, the people that wouldn't write me a check, you know, two companies ago would easily, if I put in a phone call now, they'd write me a check right on the, right on the, right on the call. Um, so I, I would stress that like knowing people, networking is really, really key when it, when it, when it relates to, to, you know, raising investment. Um, it's, it's really who, you know, and, uh, if, if you have your game plan and, and you're in your essentially, you know, your business plan together, uh, it, it makes it all that much more easier, especially if you have a credible, legitimate product and, and, and a vision that people can potentially believe in. So, um, you know, if, if you don't already, you should start building and, and networking and trust. We are all connected to one another, you know, supposedly six degrees apart. So we all know, you know, at least one or two really wealthy individuals, uh, most likely. And if you don't, network to, to, to one, right? Um, going to essentially networking networking uh, conferences, um, go to business conferences that, that, that make sense or respective to your industry or your field. Um, and, and so if you go to those events, trust me, you'll, you'll meet the right people. Um, you know, LinkedIn is a great tool, uh, you know, you're, you know, who the people that, you know, know, um, and, and I've used that quite heavily in, in, in my career and it's, it's, I've gotten the most amazing introductions to the most amazing investors and, and, uh, and, and, uh, talent as well. Uh, but it's all about networking and I would say, you know, now coming on my third company, um, it's paid dividends, you know, I just, I, I now, like I said, fundraising for me, like this last, this company, it hasn't been as difficult, um, you know, just because I, I can rely on a lot of the hard work that I did, you know, four five, six years ago. Um, so if you want to build a career as an entrepreneur, you got to start it now. I mean, any opportunity you have anywhere you are, uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I've met the most amazing people in a grocery store, um, you know, so just, you know, be open to socializing, being open to networking, and and just be confident in, in who you are, what you do. And the more you understand, you know, you go through the pitch and you start socializing your ideas, your concepts, um, you'd probably be pretty surprised in terms of uh, what can come out of it. Yeah, well, that's great lessons, and I, I resonate and uh, reinforce exactly what you're saying. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast is because I don't live in Silicon Valley. You know, I live in the UK and sometimes Dubai, but it's really hard for us to uh, network if we're not kind of in the mecca, as you say, of uh, tech. But of course, we can do it now with the tools. And uh, and I find podcasting is a great way of networking, but there's other ways, uh, as you say, of the virtual uh, and the physical. So uh, I would reiterate and reinforce that message to the Appster tribe right now is think about who you're networking with. So what I want to pick up on, uh, Charles, just to you mentioned about um, you know going through the fundraising, and I know that um, I've got a lot of lot of uh, members of the the Appster tribe listening, who uh, are always asking about you know fundraising. And I, what I'd love to know, given that you've been through this now a few times, what uh, are the typical things that investors look for, and what are you got to be prepared to to have 
you know, I mean, obviously you've mentioned a track record, a brand, a personal brand, but could you give us some sense from an app perspective, what uh, types of stats they're looking for? Yeah, so if if, if you want to think about it through the lens of like a, an app, right? Um, obviously, kind of standard rules apply, right? So, obviously, how many users do you have, right? Uh, what's what's your user acquisition? How many users are you picking up per day, uh, uh, per week, per month? Um, and then ultimately, what's really key is engagement. You know, how engaged are your users to your app, right? Like, how often are they using it? How sticky is it? And I always deduce it and make it analogous to the most simplistic concept, and, and that is, you know, have you built a really effective, very contagious, very uh, essentially just, uh, uh, you know, vindictive, right, mousetrap? And, and if you have, it's, it's not very difficult for an investor to, to essentially say, yes, you know, how much do you need? So I, I think a lot of also just kind of, as, as a tip, a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are, are really kind of go-getters, very action-oriented, which is great because there's a lot of people out there that aren't and, and they just, it's all talk. But but I, I think that if you can find the right amount of blend between kind of critically planning, thinking, doing the due diligence behind, uh, you know, essentially planning what it is that you're trying to build, testing the concept, right? So you can start with basic wireframing, and then from wireframing, you can essentially come up with some, some user case scenarios, and then take it out to beyond the first set of your friends and family, you know, to complete strangers. You know, go to a local cafe or a Starbucks or what have you, and you know, sit down and say, "Hey, I'll buy you a cup of coffee if you give me, you know, some real honest feedback about this idea that I have." And you know, you'll be surprised how much or how willing people, you know, just complete strangers would be. Uh, to kind of giving you real feedback about something you're working on. So I think testing the concept, really understanding whether or not it can be feasible or has a viable market is really, really key. From there, if, if really you have a green light, then, you know, essentially start start building it. Um, and if, if you don't know how to code, trust me, you can, I'm sure you can find and talk somebody uh, or an engineer into into you know, or an app developer into building one for you, you know, and you don't necessarily always have to take money out of your pocket. If you can't get investment um, or, you know, you're low on cash, I get it, you're bootstrapped, then, you know, work in a deal with the with the engineer. Um, in fact, right now, I'm, I'm, I have another app that I'm developing and, and you know, I, I broke it down to a 70-30 uh, kind of cap t- table breakdown in terms of ownership. And I said, you build it, primarily my idea I'll get it out to market I'll do I'll do you know the majority of the work when it launches but you build it I'll give you 30% of the cut and so what I'm saying is you know you can always get really crafty and that's what an entrepreneur is in my mind that's what the definition is is just finding a way out it's problem solution problem solution right and it's a lot of hustling um, and and so it you just you just kind of yeah you just got to get witty and, and then be resourceful and you'll be very surprised in terms of where things might end up that's a genius idea. And, you know, I'm thinking back to a number of episodes where we've had uh, the most successful launches of apps has, has been as a result of a, a good partnership between someone who can actually deliver the app and build it. And then someone who's already got a ready-made audience. And then they tease out the app. They, uh, you know, release uh, p- pictures of the app and they get, they capture an audience and get the attention. And then on the day of the release, uh, then you've got pretty much a, a ready-made audience who then 
download it like mad and you get into the top of uh, Apple and get featured in Apple and then the whole thing is momentum from there. And so that's what we've learned as is a much better way of doing it than building the app for a year and then having this kind of launch and then phoning up TechCrunch saying, hey, can you can you write about my app, please? It's great. And uh, not getting that much attention. So you've kind of reinforced that. And why not? Why not do a 70-30 or 50-50 split, whatever you can kind of hustle with uh, someone else to to convince them that that's actually worth doing. So great. Um, you know, we've got about five, 10 minutes left, Charles. And what I'd love to do and what's typical on this show is we love to kind of come up with another app idea whilst uh, uh, we're on the show. So um, I'm going to ask you straight out, you know, have you got any any app ideas that you've had uh, that uh, perhaps you're not going to take action on that we could uh, borrow from you? Or <laughs> if you don't, if you if you haven't, we've got another way of fleshing out an app idea. Yeah, um, I so I have two, uh, but to be frank, I'm actually working on both of them. <laughs> okay. So I can't necessarily give that out right now. But, sure. Uh, when, um, uh, yeah, because you are talking to a bunch of indie app developers. So, I mean, uh, I would uh, keep those to yourself because uh, we might jump on them uh, given your success and launching apps. Uh, you know, one thing we can do is talk about you and some of the the biggest, biggest challenges, maybe the, the biggest pain points you've had in your own business over the, the last month or two. Uh, because when we look at pain points, we often find potential solutions and, and ideas that come from that. So would you be able to think back to times, you know, over the last week, two weeks, month, where, where you've really had some big pain points and you feel, you know, frustrations and we can potentially flesh out an app idea from that? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think personally, I, I, I don't think the whole teleconference, video conference uh, kind of service has really been flushed out. I don't think it's perfect. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, I, I use multiple services per week. Uh, if you're talking about like the business kind of angle or front, um, you know, I use services like Google Hangout. I use Skype. You know, we're on Skype right now. Um I use uh, Uber Conference, uh, and there's also WebEx, right? There's just all this segmentation uh, in terms of, you know, media services. And uh, I would say 100% of it, to be frank, is crap. Uh, you know, Google can hang in and out. Skype, I mean, honestly, it's it's how you roll the dice, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah. 170 um, episodes, and I know exactly what you're talking about. It's uh, yeah. hit or miss, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Google, same thing, you know, uh, and, and it's it, it just, it, it blows my mind because some of these companies have, you know, access to millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, to build infrastructure to make things right. But, you know, with the, with the technology that's out there, if you can create something, an app that's just really simple and, uh, you know, essentially potentially can inter, interweave or, you know, and connect to all the various services, but something that's just really seamless and where, you know, you just press on and, and you're, you're on the, the right link at the right time and the right conference and, um, and can more importantly provide a very stabilized and just clean or high quality call. Uh, that's that to me. I mean, I, I'd, I'd use that service day in, day out. Um, and, and, and because that doesn't exist, I'm, I'm constantly, as I'm sure you are, you know, juggling different uh, media services, right? So I'm jumping from WebEx to Skype to Uber Conference and, and to sometimes Google Hangout until I find the, the right quality, right? Um, I, that, that downtime 
you know, for those calls, those really important calls, that's, that's a lot of wasted time. And yet, you know, so much more value could be extracted if, if we, if we cut that out. Yeah. Although I do have to say, I think, um, many of my calls to uh, California seem to be the ones that I struggle with. I'm not sure whether it's the Comcast type, type, uh, you know, infrastructure that you've got there or, uh, or whether it is the uh, services, but you know, actually that kind of is on the back of what I was thinking about the other day where, you know, we've had Skype now for a lot of years and, uh, you know, it's still video, and we've got the development of uh, headsets, wearable headsets, Google Glass, Oculus Rift. I just want, you know, like some kind of more of a virtual experience as well. And because, you know, many of us don't live in Silicon Valley, but we would love the opportunity to have some more physical virtual presence uh, than to simply Skype. Uh, so if there's anyone listening who can potentially build some headset that would then seamlessly uh, interact and give you some virtual presence then we can take this whole virtual world and just take it one step closer to making it more like the physical world that's my belief charles the final thing before we say goodbye is we can't leave we can't leave without asking you your favorite apps or maybe one or two apps you have on your smartphone where uh, you could give us some insight into how you use your phone to get through the day you must have uh, one or two that maybe we haven't heard of <laughs> oh i'd be uh obviously uh <laughs> silly if i didn't mention breathometer right I, I i use that every other day i would say yeah um, <laughs> yeah so uh, just how you how you actually use it do you do you take it to the point where you you you, you obviously there's a cutoff point isn't there where you you can't drive uh, if you breathalyze yourself Well, that's the thing, right? So um, we're actually beyond just safety or, you know, whether or not you should drink and drive. We're actually at the point where we're tracking alcohol consumption. We're actually integrated into the uh, the Apple Health Kit. And so it's actually where we're at is beyond just safety. We're actually at the point where we're tracking alcohol consumption because uh, technically it can be taxing on your body and and particularly in your, you know, on your liver. Um, so what I've been doing just as of lately, especially is just, I, I track my alcohol consumption. So I, I, I understand, like if I asked you how many days out of the month do you, do you drink? Do you oh, know how often okay. you, do you, how many drinks do you drink? Right. And that data, be honest with you, it, it could be very insightful, not just for yourself, but also for your doctor. Um, and then just year to year in terms of, you know, just trend, uh, analytics. So, um, you know, I, I've been just, I know when, you know, tonight I feel like a glass of wine, but, you know, in actuality, I should probably taper off a little bit this, this the next couple of days. So, um, so it's actually I, changed your habits, your behavior in a way by knowing and being uh, aware of your alcohol consumption. Yeah, no, exactly right. Right. That's, That's where we're great. at. So, so we're in the behavior modification uh, kind of business as well. And so... Um, that's an app, of course, I, you know, wholeheartedly believe in and I use on a, on a day-to-day basis um, or when the, the occasion calls. Um, and I would say, hmm, a good second. It's pretty tough. I, I'm pretty, uh, I'm it, actually looking. It's at probably, it. probably some app to find a bar or a pub, is it? <laughs> actually, so there's two apps that I use quite a bit. So um, probably isn't a surprise. I use Yelp. Um, for, for finding local restaurants and, and essentially the best foods to eat. Um, I also, it's a good mix right now between uh, Sp- uh, Spotify and Pandora. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big music streaming guy. Um, and, and so I definitely touch upon those on a, on a daily basis. 
Yeah. Okay. So on Spotify, then, do you, uh, how do you actually use Spotify? Do, do you set up a lot of playlists, or do you end up listening to the radio, uh, or do you have you just uh, your favorite uh, albums that you end up playing over and over again? How do you, how do you actually use Spotify? Yeah, I'm, I'm more so. There's two types of users, right? There's the consumer and the producer. I'm more of a consumer, <laughs> so I don't per se make my own list. I actually I'm the the one piggybacking off of my my friends yeah, uh, more than right. so I'll listen to the radio here and there if I'm in you know a really lazy mood. But um, actually, I'm the one who peeks into the lists of my friends, and uh, typically they they did all the work already, right? So I just kind of I love to explore and I peruse and I listen and uh, I, I you know I find out and I discover new bands, artists that uh, I never I never knew about before. Yeah, because I ended up uh, using a, an app called Soundwave, and I think it plugged into your Spotify and your iTunes and the various sources of music that you were listening to, and then it would uh, track and share that with your friends, so they could they could hear and see, you know, the music you're listening to. And I was sometimes a little bit embarrassed by some of the songs that were coming up, so I turned that off straight away. <laughs> Um, you know Charles this has been wonderful I know you're incredibly busy and I'm sure that you certainly inspired me in your in hearing your journey you're making it much more you know believable for us in in our journeys and and that we can actually achieve this how best can we connect and and reach out to either you or someone in your company to to just stay connected yeah so you can always follow me on Twitter Uh, you know essentially it's Charles M is in Michael and then Yim, Y-I-M. So Charles M. Yim. Um, I'm, I'm always open to answer any questions. And if there's any entrepreneurs that, are, you know, that ever need, you know, a little help here or there, some advice, more than willing to, to hear it out. I'm, I'm 100% accessible on Twitter. Um, you know, come follow me there. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the real kind of main point of contact that I'm, I'm best at. Yeah, Twitter. Okay, so, well, Charles, I mean, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for joining us on the app guy podcast it's been uh, a good it's worth the wait i've uh, thoroughly enjoyed going through your journey i wish you all the success in the world and uh, i'm sure actually we didn't mention that I'm, uh, you're probably responsible for saving a lot of lives as well i can imagine with your your app and breathometers so um, just great thanks for bringing this such an awesome uh, thing to the world and uh, and you're welcome back anytime i appreciate it thank you thank you for having me Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. Everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The App Guy Podcast 